0: Hi, everybody. Welcome to Bestseller TV. I'm Taryn Winterbrill. We're here with Lee Bartlett. He's the author of The Number One Bestseller A Unique Insight into the Mind, Strategy, and Processes of a Top Salesman. Lee, it's great to have you with us.
1: Pleasure to be here. Thank you.
0: So let's dive in, Lee. Tell us about the book. Who is it aimed for? Well,
1: it's aimed at sales professionals, so salespeople. Um, and it's a book about sales excellence and specifically what top salespeople do differently from their colleagues in the competition. Now the focus of the book isn't on sales techniques, but it's on kind of what I call the glue. How does a salesperson take sales techniques and then combine them with a mindset and a strategy that allows them to consistently work themselves to the top of any sales organization? It took me two and a half years to write this thing, so... Wow, no kidding. Yeah, if I was going to write it, it had to be unique. So um, I figured the best way to make it unique was to make it personal. Sure. So what I did was I looked over the initial 15 years of my sales career. And I tried to isolate exactly what it was that I did that allowed me to consistently win the largest mandates in my industry.
0: Right. Because I was, I was going to ask you, you say, strategy and processes of a top salesman. That salesman is you.
1: I hope so. Right. Yeah, with a title like that, you'd hope so. You? Right, right, right. right. I, was, I didn't know if it was
0: accounts of you interviewed other top salesmen, if you're the top salesman. So tell everybody, what were you selling?
1: So I was in software sales. Okay. Um, And I was very fortunate to be able to work myself to the top performer position over a variety of different roles. So um, I felt well qualified to be able to to write a book on the differences between what a top salesperson did compared to perhaps uh, an average performer.
0: Now, Lee, you mentioned you're in software sales. So that begs the question, you became a top seller. Was it because it was software? Was this the topic you picked or was software kind of put in your lap and you ran with it?
1: No, that's a really good question. No, I, I just, it fell into my lap. I mean, I, it wasn't okay. something that I sought out. I'd finished university and I moved to London and um, I just wanted to earn some money, Taren, really. So right. I, I met a, a friend of my brother's and, and he explained a sales role to me. He said, look, all you have to do is send out this kind of trial uh, document out to uh, customers, potential customers, and then you know call them back in a week. And if they like it, they buy it. It's that simple. And you know, it seemed like quite a simple concept to me. The thing about sales that I really liked was that it was performance-related pay. So if you worked a lot harder, you could quite accurately calculate that you were going to earn a lot more money. And that suited my personality perfectly. So I thought, you know, this is the sort of role that I need to be in. And it just so happened that I kind of worked my way through the ranks and ended up selling uh, complex technology platforms.
0: Okay. So in the early stages though, um, was this over the phone sales? Was there ever person-to-person? Was there a human element involved, yeah,
1: Absolutely, yeah. I mean, I started off in telesales, as most salespeople do, and I worked my way up into what they call field sales, which is um, going out and visiting clients, and, and then you kind of work your way up in seniority, and you deal with more senior customers. So I, in the end, I was pitching to senior investment banking professionals and to C-suite executives, wow. you know, and selling the, co- the software on kind of an enterprise basis for a whole solution. So mm-hmm. I kind of, uh, I worked my way through the ranks and ended up uh, where I needed to be.
0: And would you say you're self-taught?
1: Yes, I would.
0: Okay.
1: I, I, and truthfully, until I wrote this book, I'd never read a sales book in my entire life. Um, no kidding. So no, you didn't even know
0: what else was out there?
1: I didn't know anything else that was out there. I just, you know, when you're working that hard and you're so focused on what you're doing, you just kind of block everything else out. And it was only, I, I intentionally didn't look any closer into other sales books um, during the process of writing this because I didn't want to be swayed in any direction. That's why it took me two and a half years. This was kind of dragged out of my soul and it was all the things that I, that I learned to do over a long and, and successful sales career.
0: So Lee, let's get to what you call the basics of the yeah. book. These are things that you learned to help you sort of beat the other guy next to you to get the deal, to Absolutely. win the deal. So, so what are some of the highlights for you?
1: So the basics are the nucleus of the book mm-hmm. and they are a fundamental set of actions that myself and other top salespeople do on a daily basis and on every deal that kind of other salespeople don't tend to. It okay. kinda, I feel it kind of sets them apart and I okay. certainly felt that in my career, it set me apart and allowed me to win business that other people didn't win, didn't have a chance on. The best way for me to describe them uh, is with an analogy, if that's okay. Sure. Well, I'm gonna tell you something about fly fishing that I would guess less than 100 people in the world Actually, no. Now, fly fishing is a passion of mine. I've been honored to represent my country on multiple occasions, and I I go around the world fishing a lot of competitions. So let me just tell you this. If you're walking up a river and there's a wild brown trout, a wild fish in that river next to you,
0: you're
1: looking confused already, (laughs) and you you spook it, if you scare that fish and it shoots off, it takes 30 minutes for that fish to behave naturally again. As if, um, as if nothing's happened. It may come back to its lie, to its original position, but 30 minutes is kind of the magic number. Okay. Not, definitely not 25 minutes or 10 minutes, it's 30 and you can time your watch by it.
0: To get comfortable again?
1: Yes, yeah, to get comfortable and act as if nothing's happened.
0: All
1: right. It took me hundreds, if not into the thousands of hours to be able to learn that, just that, that 30 minute rule. Know, being on the water, testing the hypothesis, coming back after five minutes, after 25 minutes, no, it's not ready. So it took a long, long time. A
0: long time for you, if you were thrown off, to get back to your yeah, if that,
1: Yeah, to know that I can come back and catch that fish after, so 30 minutes. I need to leave it for 30 minutes. Okay. Now, let's just take it a step forward. I was in a competition and I was walking up the riverbank and my controller was next to me. They're the people that kind of monitor what you're up to and record what you catch. And it was 40 minutes towards the end of the session. It was a four-hour session. Right. And as I walked up the bank, I saw a, a, a wild fish on the other side of the riverbank. It wasn't a wide river. It came out of the water and it ate an insect off the surface. And I could see its eye and it saw us and it dipped its head down and it bolted. So I took a quick look at my watch and I thought, okay, I've got time. And I walked up the river and I, uh, I fished for another half an hour, even though I knew there wasn't much chance of catching one more fish up there. Okay. And I came back. and. Um, I positioned myself, I chose the, the fly that put me in the best possible position to succeed. I, I kind of cast, I compensated for the flow of the water, and I've caught that fish and I pulled it in, and my, conc- my controller says to me, Lee Butler, you are the luckiest guy I have ever seen in my life. How on earth, with two minutes to the end, do you catch that fish and qualify? And then we went back to the clubhouse, and and he told everybody how jammy I was and how lucky you were, and you know you've caught yourself a fish, and Would you've you qualified. Jammy's in English, yeah. Okay. Sorry, how lucky, lucky. how fluky, okay, oh, yeah, 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 how, how okay. fluky you were. So I suffered it and I didn't say anything. But my question to you is, was I lucky? No. Why?
0: Because it was strategic.
1: Thank you. There was an element of luck. I couldn't make that fish open its mouth and eat that fly, no more than I can make. A buyer buy my product, I can just put myself in the best possible position to succeed, and so it, in my mind, that I caught that fish through rigorous preparation. The hundreds, if not thousands of hours that I spent leading up to that was, um, was, was what allowed me to catch that fish, otherwise, I probably would have had an overzealous approach, come back right. and missed it i'd have been back in ten minutes. The temptation was sure. enormous, so let me take that through to a sales perspective. Right,
0: the million dollar question, how does that apply to the world of sales?
1: The basics are my 30 minute rules of sales. So when I say the 30 minute rules, I mean things like um, invisible revenue, I mean you've read the book so these are some of the sections, invisible Mm -hmm. revenue. How do I actually identify uh, revenue that isn't on the table, this is what I'm calling invisible revenue. Um, Things like um, what are the extra things that I'm doing when presenting to the C-suite. You know, I uh, compile four different presentations that all seamlessly interlink that that prepare me for every eventuality. Other things like how do I quantify what I can expect from a working day in terms of revenue generating activities. These are all things that that are not obvious, they're not not sales techniques, but they're the, the kind of extracurricular things that I felt that I did that allowed me to consistently win these deals.
0: You sort of start the book by introducing us to Timothy. And it's sort of an example of a lost sale. So tell everybody everybody a little bit about that.
1: Yeah, I thought Timothy was a good example to lead with, to lead into the book with, because he allowed me to demonstrate a failed sales process, but from the buyer's perspective. The story is that I was an absolute, resolute buyer. I was the buyer in this case. I wanted to buy a car. I'd done a lot of research. And I found the model I wanted, and I called the showroom. Basically, I wanted to just come down and pick it up. And you know, aside from kind of ramming 45 grand into Timothy's hands, I didn't know what else I had to do to to buy it. So the the story maps the process of Timothy dissuading me from buying this car. Now what I thought was interesting about this process was that from Timothy's perspective, he was absolutely rocking the sales process. But from my perspective, he was failing on every single level. So I thought it was quite valuable to be able to um, tell the story and identify exactly where and how that process went yeah, wrong. Yeah, where
0: was he failing?
1: That's right, and, and then use that as, a, as an example to perhaps showing a, a better way of doing it throughout right. the books.
0: So, Lee, within this transaction then, what were the highlights in terms of the failures? And I think we all want to know, did you or did you not buy the car?
1: Well, I didn't buy the car, no. Uh, no, you did not. No, okay. I did not. I okay. mean, it, it was a, a debacle, as I mentioned. It, it, right. was, it was a mess. And you were ready to go and just hand him
0: your money. I just wanted well, that, that car, car. Taryn. Yeah.
1: It was, I'd phoned up, and I was expecting it to be over in 25 minutes. Right. Really, I, I just wanted it. But where did he go wrong? Um, it's really simple where he went wrong. The sales process was about him and not about me. And, and that's a mistake that many salespeople make. They just can't understand that selling a product is about their customer yeah. and not about themselves. And so Timothy didn't react to, to many of the buying signals I gave him and he wasn't really interested in my needs and expectations as a buyer. Right. So, so uh, as I say, I think the, the, the process of the story highlighted that and allowed me to kind of pinpoint some of the, okay. the important aspects of that.
0: So it sounds like Timothy had the same script, didn't matter who was in front of him.
1: That's right. But, but what was interesting about Timothy, was that one of the other, um, one of his colleagues told me, that was that he was the top salesman of the entire dealership. And it kind of blew my mind. I thought, well, how yeah. on earth, you know, uh, you know, if I worked there, you, you definitely wouldn't have been because sure. I take much more of an interest in my, my clients and my prospects and uh, yes. I make sure I do a good job.
0: So, Leah, I do want to mention, one part of the book, you say that the execution of the sale is actually the easy part, which... I mean, for most people, that, yeah. that is the direct mountain to yeah, climb, the execution right. of the sale. So yeah. why is it so easy?
1: I mean that sales execution on the whole is probably the easiest part of being a salesman or a top salesman, in fact, because you care so much about your client and doing a good deal. That's all that really matters, and it's very easy to do. You know, if you came to me and, and wanted to use my product, I'd do everything in my power. It's just in my makeup to make that transaction as smooth and seamless as possible for you. Selling, to me, was always the easy bit. The most challenging bit, as I mentioned, I touched on earlier, was dealing with kind of the intercompany politics and the uh. peripheral things to sales. You know, other salespeople jumping on your deals, um, you know people, it's competitive. Yeah, it's a very competitive environment uh, of, of course. So so you know how do you handle these distractions and these this constant competition you know, of people trying to to take a piece of your business?
0: You humanize a lot of uh, the issues that salespeople go through. You talk yeah. about burnout, you know front row center and how it affected you.
1: So yeah, tell absolutely. us quickly
0: about that. How did it affect you? How did it make you better?
1: Yeah, well, of course, it, may, it, does, it doesn't feel like it's making you better Not at the time, time but, but you know, back. you're working as hard as is physically possible. You're working all hours. You know, you're on your BlackBerry every waking moment. You're smashing your sales targets. You're doing a great job. You care, you know, and then uh, a few intercompany decisions don't go your way. You know, the company decides you earn too much. You know, how do you deal with that? How do you overcome that? Now, the reality is that you're going to fight that decision, and it's probably going to work itself out. But that doesn't mean that it doesn't kind of grate on you while while you're selling. You need to stay focused, and you need a number of mechanisms to handle these these kind of um, these peripheral issues.
0: How do you handle that when a boss says? you're too expensive.
1: You know what, you, you get on with it, Taryn. You get on with it, you continue to do more, more revenue because revenue protects, you know, and, and, and a way to do that is to follow the basics. So the basics allowed me to have a very defined process to continually generate revenue and deal with the other stuff as a matter of course. It's very important. I
0: hate to say it, Lee, but we're practically out of time. I feel <laughs> that <a> <laughs> we barely scratched the surface, but there is something I want to end on. In your own words, what do you think is the key difference that made you sort of win the sale or not win the sale when you're competing against others? Is there a nugget?
1: The beauty of being able to kind of write a book on it and then analyze what really did make the difference, it comes down to three things. I hope that the book demonstrates that I was better prepared than my peers and competition. I was better able to leverage everything at my disposal, and I was better able to identify and close business that other people didn't see. Okay. So that's kind of the summary of the book and how I, I feel comfortable describing it. But also, it's about what I'm going to call micro-adjustments. Now, I'll give you an example, it's probably not the right word, I just like it. Um, I'll give you an example. So, at the end of of a C-suite pitch, you know, when everything was said and done, I made a point of looking every single person in the eye, the CEO, the CFO, and saying, guys, I know how important this business is Mm -hmm. to you, it's equally important to me, and I promise you it won't go wrong. And I could normally tell at that point, and I meant it, by the way.
0: humanize again this that's idea right. of humanizing that's, that's right I,
1: I, and i could normally tell at that point whether or not i'd won the deal because yeah, people would be appreciated. yeah absolutely connected. so i think it just comes down to these extra little things that you do that make the big difference
0: yeah well it certainly made the difference for you and you talk about this idea of preparation a lot of people perhaps don't prepare enough when they're going into the sales I role think so. they'll say i'll get there and then the learning begins but it really begins way before you start on the first day. So there's a, Absolutely. there's a lot that goes into it, and there's so much to get to. Um, and it's really interesting stuff, and clearly you're very successful, so you know what you're doing.
1: So <laughs> congratulations
0: you. on the book and on your Thank career. Thank you so much. And uh, if you'd like more information on the book and to buy the book, all you have to do is go to our website at c That's c-sweetbookclub.com. I'm Taryn Winterbrill. Thanks for watching. We'll see you next time right here on Bestseller TV. Like what you just heard? Visit c-sweetradio.com. C Suite Radio, turning the volume up on business. This podcast is a part of the C Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.